Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. The checkered flag ends the race, but not the race talk. Have your say. Ask the experts. Make your point. Post race tech. The end of the race is only the beginning. Wow. Uh, I often find myself saying that at the start of Mission and Post Race Tech. Um, that was a race. That was a race that had everything involved in it. And we'll go through some of the uh, questions, points arising. Hashtag Mission and PRT, please, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Jeremy Shaw, before we get into anything else, can we do the Michelin Endurance Cup points, please, that I know that you have got there and we will uh, first of all get that out of the way and uh, points at 6, 12 and 18 uh, with uh, ours plus the end of the race. Yeah and each at each uh, six hour interval during the race you get five points for, for leading, four points for second three points for third and everybody else gets two points. Uh, as re- at, at the end of the day uh, Maya Shank racing with Kerr Bagajanian, number 60 Acura, will have 18 points. They were out, they were third at the first at six hour mark. They led at 12 hours, 18 hours, and 24. Uh, so, have 18 points to the 14 of the Conica Minolta Acura team. In the Manufacturers Championship, uh, Acura led each of the four things. So, they got a maximum 20 points uh, to the 16 of Cadillac and 10 apiece for Porsche and BMW moving on to uh, LMP2 Uh, it is the Proton competition team that will have 14 points they led at 12 hours and by a 0.016 of a second at the checkered flag Uh, 14 points to the 13 of TDS racing Uh, that's the number 35 that uh, had the half spin uh, towards the end of the race so 14 to 13 and then 12 for the number 04 car in LMP3, Sean Creech Motorsports, despite the uh, gearbox problem, I think it was this morning, they scored enough points to stay out in front. They will leave here with a maximum, uh, excuse me, with a tally of 18 points. They finished second in the end. Good comeback uh, to the 15 of the race winners as AWA number 17 car. In GTD Pro, WeatherTech Racing, what a great day for, for Proton competition that runs that car as well as the. LMP2 winning car. They'll have 18 points to the 15 of the Harder Racing Team car number 23. In the manufacturers for GT uh, for GTD Pro, Mercedes has 18 points to the 14 of Aston Martin and the 13 of Chevrolet. And finally, in GTD Regular, the Harder Racing Team car number 27 will have 18 points to the 13 of Gilbert of uh, of Motorsports car number 32. Uh, and a 12 of Windward Racing, car number 57. Manufacturers, Aston Martin on 18, 
15 for Mercedes, 13 for McLaren. Uh, well, gentlemen, what a race. What a race. Had a bit of everything that, Jeremy, didn't it? Yeah. You know, we had uh, a little slew of yellow flags. We had that 5 hours 50 in the middle of the race. A uh, couple of late race cautions, not unusual in IMSA races, which gave us uh, a couple of decent finishes. Uh, let's talk about the front of the field first, because Acura once again have pulled it off, Peter, uh, and done it in style, 1-2, as they were for most of the sessions last weekend at the Raw. They looked strong then. They've looked strong here. Um, I think that uh, certainly the, the 60 car had had the pace and the power and the performance that nobody else could match with the driver lineup not making any mistakes to be quite honest yeah and that, and that was obvious from the word go from the very green drop of the green flag Tom Blunquist uh, set the afterburners on and never really switched them off that was their strategy they had it was an aggressive strategy and brilliant to watch a real fan favorite strategy really nobody wants to uh, to see people who kind of linger around and then pop out at the last minute it's uh, they, they really had a, an exciting way of going about things as well and you know three in a row for three in a row for Elio Castro Neves as well uh, I mean his CV is <laughs> is just endless anyway but to add three Rolex 24-hour wins in a row uh, quite uh, quite remarkable and for uh, for Meyer Shank as a group they continue to assert themselves as a as, as an uh, emerging superpower in motorsport going up against the might of you know names like Penske Ganassi uh, Rahal Edelman Lanigan etc uh, going up against manufacturers like Porsche like Cadillac and they're, they're coming out on top um, and uh, the, the uh, Mike Shank and um, Jim Meyer and all the, all the guys who should be very proud. The other manufacturers having to play catch-up, uh, Jeremy. I mean, BMW and Porsche had a couple of failures. Uh, the second Porsche car, the, the, the six car, uh, was self-inflicted pain in some respects, off the track a couple of times and a, a bit of damage. Cadillacs were there or thereabouts. I think they'll be the most frustrated, to be honest, because they had pretty clean runs for both of the 01 and 02, but ultimately didn't have the pace when it mattered. No, and for some of the race, particularly perhaps the overnight times, the Cadillacs were looking really, really good. Uh, so, but uh, as you say... Ultimately, in the final hour or so, hour or two, uh, the the Acres really uh, showed their full hand. And look, it was super close all the way through the, the entire event, which was which was really good to see. Look at the fastest respective laps in that class. Uh, 135.6 was the quickest by Tom Blunquist in the Acura. Uh, 135.9 for the uh, Cadillac. The BMW turned a 136.0. Uh, the best for the Porsches was a one th also 35.9, I think. So, you know, they're all very closely matched. Cons I mean, it's remarkable considering how new these cars are. Absolutely agree. Uh, hashtag Michelin PRT for Michelin Porsche Race Tech. Joe Bradley uh, is enjoying the glitter down by the... <laughs> oh, that's going to get all over him there. It's not going to match that red suit. Joe, who have you got? I've got Mr. Doonan. Who, Mr. Doonan, I mean... All that hard work, all of this convergence, here it is right here. I mean, whoever's writing the scripts, they're becoming a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit exaggerated. Uh, I don't know how you could write a script. Um, frankly, uh, said to one of my teammates, uh, that's the best we got. Uh, we, as a championship, 
as manufacturers, drivers, teams, if uh, the people that came to Daytona International Speedway this weekend or were watching on NBC or were watching uh, and listening to IMSA Radio didn't like that, I don't know what uh, to tell them because you can't script it. Uh, everybody along pit lane and in the garage area I know gave everything they had. I was the first person in, uh, in the garage area Saturday morning before the race. Um, a lot of teams walked in with me. I like to do that. I like to be there. And uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, we put on uh, perhaps uh, one of the best uh, endurance sports car races ever. Um, certainly um, the largest attended Rolex 24 ever. And uh, to your point, convergence is real. It's um, now been uh, uh, launched. And uh, I think the spirit of endurance and endurance sports car racing as a whole has an extremely bright future. Considering how young the GTP uh, regulations are, we always knew attrition was going to be a factor. This is a, this had a feel of a kind of like an old school classic where attrition played a part, and it actually did. Even even the lead car had problems. Yeah, certainly to some extent. Uh, I think we all, anytime you launch a new platform or new rules or new technology, there's that chance of uh, learnings uh, on the the stage. You know, the opening stage. And we did. We learned a lot. Um, the IMSA technical team in, in the trailer, our partners at Bosch, our partners at Williams were uh, engaged through the out, out the entire race. And as soon as one car had an issue, um, we gathered that data. We let all the teams know specifically to that common component, hey, be aware, watch the data. And that's the spirit of what we're trying to do here is bring everyone together. And then uh, once the flag drops, it's up to the teams. And, man, they did not disappoint. That's quite unheard of, to be honest, John. Um, just one last thing. We've, we've kind of seen some one or two Hollywood luminaries loitering. Is there something you can tell us there? Uh, I'm not sure what you mean, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but uh, all I do know is uh, Pierre and Frederic were here. We're very excited about uh, the future of our convergence. We'll all be at Sebring, Super Sebring, here in six weeks. Uh, where the WEC will kick off their championship. We'll have round two, and uh, I think we'll have all the platforms together. That'll be good. And, uh, of course, we're going to go to Le Mans in June. And uh, I'm sort of back in the race team business. I'm re responsible for Garage 56 with Hendrick Motorsports, Chevrolet, and Goodyear. So that's going to be a fun uh, journey. Uh, so I'll have a headset on, and maybe uh, we'll celebrate at the end of accomplishing that race. Well, we've just had a super day, too, and I thank you, Mr. Doonan. Congratulations, that was one hell of a show. President John Doonan and uh, Jerry Bruckheimer uh, with his entourage here over the weekend, uh, allegedly scouting a location for a movie uh, that will feature Formula One and another series, this being the other series, uh, which the uh, crusty old driver is plucked back out of again. So... Let's see if that comes to pass. Uh, Pat Long advising on that movie uh, as well. It's a project that I think it's been rumoured that Brad Pitt is going to be involved with. Uh, let's take a couple of your tweets. Hashtag Michelin PRT. Christoph says, thoughts on BMW uh, and their performance. Was it, do you think, a specific known issue? Lacking development? Uh, basic theoretical concept problems? Anything they take away from the Rolex 24 week to suggest the race will come? Well, the first thing to say is that's the same chassis as the cars that came first and second. 
exactly the same chassis. Uh, no, sorry, it's the Cadillacs that came third and fourth. Excuse me. So that's the same chassis as the Cadillacs that came third and fourth. Jeremy, you were watching the times of the BMWs um, right through the race. Even the car, the number 25 that was delayed early on with that hybrid bundle that had to be changed. As we got a couple or three hours into the race, their, their pace picked up to be much closer and indeed right on what everybody else was doing. Um, I think they have got hope and they've got something positive to take away because every time that car runs, it gets a bit better. And that probably is, as Christoph says, one of the lesser developed cars in terms of when the car got on the ground. I think that was the car that rolled its wheels the last of all four. Yeah, I think it probably did. But uh, yeah, they, they've, uh, they've certainly had their challenges uh, but they've worked through them all, and you know, just to get the goal number one was to get both cars to the finish line. Uh, yes, one car had quite a few problems. The other one really only, only had had the the one problem this earlier on this morning. What was it? Eight nine o'clock this morning. It lost uh, half a dozen laps or so. Maybe a couple of times it lost a couple. You know, it lost a bit of time. But both cars ran fairly well. They weren't quite on the pace of the other two. Ultimately, you know absolute maximum pace but look uh, i thought for a for a first effort you know you've got to give them a, a b plus for effort well a plus for effort mm. uh, and a b plus for what they're actually able to achieve i would say peter bmw it's a striking car it's absolutely a bmw um unlucky with the first uh, few moments of the race in that they lost the 25 so early and lost a lot of time there and never even got back on the first page of timing, mainly because they couldn't get the car into safe mode and they had to park in the, the high-voltage recovery area. Once they got into that, they knew what they were doing to change it. It did seem to take longer to change that part than it did on the Multimatic chassis for the Porsche. So th- th- there's work to be done there as well, maybe. Yes, and I think the, the, the team can go back to the, the drawing board there at uh, Rehal Ledham and Lanigan, where they've got a lot of big brains uh, to get to the bottom of how they service the car in, in those situations. And that might be one thing that over the course of this whole season, you know, we've got Sebring coming up. That's, I would say, a harder test for the cars than here at Daytona because of the bumpiness of the surface. Um, so the teams, I think, will have to really work on serviceability because that could be things that really keep them in the race uh, when it might otherwise put them out. Overall on BMW, I think the number 24 can, number twenty four car ran very impressively, yeah. played the strategy well and ran consistently, um, ran smoothly. The drivers did a perfect job. Uh, I think you look at who's their driver lineup in both BMW cars, they've got excellent drivers, excellent, excellent drivers. They've got a great team. Do not write them off. This is going to be the beginning of a big story. So, Acura obviously delighted. Oh, yeah. A little <laughs> bit of frustration, but I think quiet confidence from Cadillac. Reasons to be cheerful for BMW. Porsche, not <sighs> the happiest of the four. I think they'll be the most disappointed going away from here. No they question. had pace. They could have had Paul last Sunday. They didn't. They could have challenged for the race here. They didn't. One car with mechanical well, they issues. Did. Not the end. No, indeed. They had the pace, yeah, undoubtedly. One yeah. car with mechanical issues, okay, that can happen. The other car with either mistakes or drivability issues that all of them suffered at various times but didn't, unfortunately, steer the course. That's not what Porsche Penske Motorsport were hoping for, Jeremy, and they will be looking to improve a bunch, as they say here, 
by the time we get to Sebring. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing today for a Porsche Penske Motorsport because I think they at midnight or even 2 o'clock this morning, halfway through the race, they were looking pretty down, pretty stout, I thought, and I thought they were really going to step up even more today and, and challenge for the win. That didn't happen. But uh, the car has the pace in it. Um, I, whether it's... I, I didn't... Wasn't really. I've not been able to sort of analyse things enough yet to to talk about to really address its its um, consistency. But uh, yeah, again, good good pace certainly, and uh, you know, lots to work from. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, the Porsche engineers they'll be disappointed that they didn't have one of their cars have a, have a trouble free run to the end. And this is this is such an important program for Porsche. Uh, full commitment to the WEC with the same team as well. And uh, will that leave Vysak and Multimatic scratching their head? I don't believe so, actually. Um, I think they'll know what the problems were with the seven car. They will go. The one thing about. Uh, Porsche and Penske and the the, the uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport affiliation that they have together, they will go back to the drawing board. They will unturn every single millimeter of mm-hmm. not just the car, the pit work. Everything will be analysed, and I, I hate to say the, the the things that happen behind the cockpit as well. Oh yeah. You look at uh, you know a lot of the other cars where their drivers you know were absolutely flawless. You know there was one or two. Point. I mean, the number seven car was kind of put back early on and was very much on a test program throughout the race. But the twenty, the six car, uh, you know, <laughs> we we all love Nick Tandy. We do. He's full full attack, full excitement, and when it comes off, it is just spellbinding. And some of the stuff he can do in a car is incredible. However, there's just one or two little tiny errors. Um, the, is that the, the because he's pushing team? so hard? That, probably. That, that, yeah, uh, Alexander Orkin says, what can tre- we do to fix the technical gremlins? It, it, uh, might be, think... it might not be within their purview because there are a lot of spec parts in there. And yeah. if this is the brake-by-wire and the way it interacts with, for example, the motor generator unit, um, they can only do so much on their side of things. Uh, the WAE unit uh, is that big... Um, what are we calling it? The hybrid bundle mm. that we saw coming out the car. Um, it, it's it's a tough one because in some ways they're not in charge of their own destiny. It's clear to me that the different manufacturers are using this spec hybrid in very different ways. Mm. And whatever Acura have done is good. And whatever MSR have done to optimise that, whether it's with car set up with the drivers or, or whatever else, is better. Because yeah. they simply were the best at pushing yeah. out. It, it was extraordinary, Jeremy, wasn't it? It was, it was not, you didn't need a stopwatch down to the third decimal place to see how much better they were getting out of the medium and slow corners. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd, uh, I'd be curious to, to tally up how many laps uh, Tom Blunquist did in the 35s. Mm. It was quite a lot. Uh, and there was a string of you know, three or four at a time on a couple of different occasions, and nobody else, nobody else got close to that. No. Um, so he was once again, as he was all the way through last season, he was a, a superstar. Um, uh, and and the other guys did a did a great job too. I think it was yeah, a bit more of a challenge, particularly for, for Elio, who uh, you know, doesn't drive sports cars terribly often and doesn't hasn't, didn't do a lot of testing in this car. 
prior to the race, uh, but but he, he's Helio, so he stepped up uh, and he does and, what uh, he does. Yeah, he does. He's great, and, and he's great for the team. I mean, yeah. how can you not enjoy yeah. that with the team? Couple of points arising rather than questions. The four-hour Friday race says Ren Forto at uh, at Imsa Radio hashtag Michelin PRT. Uh, scattered dust and debris all around the bus stop exit. Why didn't that happen during the Rolex or did it? Um, I don't think it did. And I think probably because the, the cars are a little more sensitive to those curbs uh, is my only thought on that, Renforto. Carol Brink, is this really the dawning of a new era? More of the same era? Well, the same two teams at the front, Carol. I like that. Uh, yes, indeed. Let's move on to the other categories. Wicker Bill. And, and this is a very good point, Jeremy. Fair play to IMSA for letting GTD and GTD Pro run equally there were calls to have a different uh different bop for the pro cars when this was first announced and he said it would have been easier to pay back the am class i love these type of victories just so you can run your own business and go racing at the weekend and as part of a team albeit uh be involved and beat the best gt drivers uh, in the world that was genuine pace and strategy that there was a little bit of a, a wrinkle at uh, at michelin raceway road atlanta when the classes got split up behind the safety car for some reason but but that was a proper race we called it in the porsche keys the race we thought it would be a two two and a half three hour pro race at the end and it was and it was all the better for that yeah it was it was tremendous i thought really exciting racing uh, and for the most part you know pretty respectful yeah uh, there was a you know, unfortunate incident there towards the end or a couple i suppose but um look when you when you're racing that hard uh with with that much at stake yeah uh, you, you you come to expect i don't think there was nothing egregious out there no and uh, for the most part i think pretty much all the drivers will go home you know they're not going to all go home with a rolex watch but they're going to go home with a smile on their face thinking that was fun yeah, um, and yeah, we had some in the yes. battle with the Porsche guys. Stories that, that, yeah, all the way down. The uh, well, yes, that um, uh, and you know, look, a five millimeter effective five millimeter restrictor reduction in a car that's the same weight and puts out the same power, albeit slightly more torque because they have a bigger engine. That's always going to have an effect. I, I liked the the way that most of the Porsche teams and the Porsche management dealt with that. They have faith in in IMSA for getting it right. That's a significant investment. It's a million dollars for one of those cars. Um, there'll be customers there that weren't very happy. Um, but that, and the Ferrari, in fairness, another new car, they've gathered a lot of data this weekend. Uh, and that will, be, that will be used. LMP2, yeah. uh, Jeremy, four teams at the end. Um, all European teams as well. People who came across uh, the pond to come and play, some with uh, GT experience, some with LMP2 experience. We gotta, it, what, why are we talking about getting rid of LMP2? That was a great race and it provides Peter Mackay a wonderful platform for well-heeled individuals, uh, career-minded up-and-coming drivers who can't get uh, a, a drive in the uh, GTDs or hypercar, an opportunity to learn and enjoy downforce machinery at a fraction of the cost. I mean, I've heard people saying that those cars aren't any more expensive to run than the GTD cars. Well, uh, I think... It was it, great entertainment, first uh, of all. It was stunning top-class motorsport all the way through. I think it's, it's worth mentioning you the, the format of LMP2 is a pro-am 
category and we have to give a huge, huge doff of the cap to Fred Burdad who that car would not be on the grid without without him. Fred drove superbly in my opinion. He's got very little of any experience in that type of car and he he did his job absolutely perfectly. He's a a world leader. Uh, you know, if he was a if he was a, if his field was being a racing driver, he would be a platinum world champion. But his in his field of medicine, he's a world leader in gastroenterology and liver transplants. He's written over three hundred book chapters and papers about that subject. He's got loads of ex- he's been really building up his experience and getting faster and faster in the right motorsport Porsches and various championships. But to step into an LMP2, one of the biggest motor races in the world and go out and win the thing mm. amazing and he was well deserved his Rolex watch that's for sure not everybody's going to be happy and the original bad man says how can anyone defend IMSA's BOP debacle when the same two cars dominated every practice session qualifying and the entire race pulling away from the field to finish 1-2 right well I'll tell you once what Tiffany Dell said to me um and Dr. Jonathan Palmer, actually, uh, is similar words. Um, motor racing is a bit of a bizarre situation because you spend all that time in practice and qualifying, finding out who the fastest team and car is. Then you put them at the front of the field, and then you're surprised if they pull away from everybody else. That is the nature of the beast, first of all. But what we can say is that, yes, I think the Acuras had an advantage. We're not sure what that was at the moment because we haven't had a time. But generally speaking, to have all those cars with as, with no competition data whatsoever in those cars, none, zero, zilch, it's a, it was under a second between all nine of them every time you start to look. And I dare say if we start looking at average stint times and things like that, it'll be that close or closer, Jeremy. Yeah, I, I mean, I've spoken to all the manufacturers down there uh, or representatives thereof, and I haven't heard any complaints at all uh, mm. about uh, the the te- IMSA technical team. Quite the contrary. Um, I think yeah, I think this is about as level playing field as you could possibly get. I mean, you've got this amount of energy, you got um, you can use this many revs. You've got this. The, yeah, the 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 aero is is very very tightly controlled as to how much downforce drag uh, it, the the cars each of the cars produce. Um, and um, you know, I think at the end of the day, Accurate did a better job. Yeah, when we get to Sebring next time out, maybe one of the other manufacturers will do a better job. Um, but I, I don't think there's any, any complaints there from anybody that, that I've heard, anyhow. Uh, Brandon Gersker says, hybrid deployment always amazes me. This did remind me a little bit of the R18 uh, versus the 919. Acura punching out of corners and tapered off, whereas Cadillac had a constant usage down the straight and caught back up about two-thirds of the, the way down. It was interesting to see that. Longer straights, different tracks, Sebring. Uh, who's going to have the advantage? I don't know. Nobody knows. And, and I, it I, might not be accurate again. No, and I completely agree with Jeremy. I think the the parity in GTP is absolutely incredible for this stage. All new cars, and I think GTP is is an uh, incredible job. I think M's a technical team. I think the, the question coming in there was uh, you know, about GT, Yes, there were manufacturers who had pace all weekend, but look at the GTD Pro podium. You had a AMG Mercedes, you had a Corvette, and you had a Lexus. So your podium in GTD Pro, three different manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, well, in GTD, it was an, an all English affair. You had okay, it was a one-two for Aston Martin, but then you had the McLaren 
from Inception Racing in there as well. And the gradient Acura just off the podium too. So yes, one man. Look, it didn't go. It didn't go Porsche's way this time. But it's all about having as many manufacturers as you can get at the front, and I think that's an acceptable number fighting at the front. And what you've got to take into account the 24-hour race, then mind the two-hour, uh, two-hour 40 race, then mind the 24-hour races. Yeah. The teams have got to execute. Uh huh. And, yeah. and we know at this level of competition, whichever class you're in, whatever class of driver you are, if you don't make the most of what you've got, single mistakes. That's in the old days that might have put you down the field a little bit, but you might have still got a decent result. Single mistakes now cost you any chance of a podium. It's only in the longer races where you can make that back. The level of competition is unbelievable. Wicker Bill genuinely, uh, genuinely impressed at the MSR Acura pace. I didn't think they'd be able to sustain it uh, throughout. Shows how well they are prepared. Donald saying interested to see the former DPI manufacturers Acura and Cadillac slightly outperform the newcomers to the top class. Fair point uh, as well. Uh, any BOP adjustments to GTP before Sebring? I am sure we will uh, uh, hear it. How can Acura uh, not to go not go to Le Mans now? <laughs> That's a good point uh, as well. Um, Given that the aero on the GTPs have been changed dramatically, resulting in higher top speeds and hybrids mean the acceleration looks different in profile, how will they cope with the aero needs of Sebring? They've all tested there, Dave, uh, on that one. Uh, Johnny Palmer, <laughs> he's still listening at our race control, says, uh, what about balloting LMH and LMDH for Sebring? for the 1,000 miles in six weeks. Good luck to the ACL technical department. Johnny, I'd doff me at if they get that right. I really do. Um, will, is the finishing P2 going to be enough to get more people involved in P2? There's plenty of cars available. I do. And a number of people saying, don't get rid of LMP2. Well, who is saying get rid of LMP2? Uh, there's, there's no replacement for LMP2 planned now. It's been shelved. And it's, it's out of Le Mans uh, after 24, and the ACO are deciding what they're going to do. It's had a stay of execution and an extended uh, homologation here in IMSA till the end of 24, and no decision made what happens after that. I mean, I'd say those Oricas, which they all are Oricas now, um, most teams who've got them have amortised them over a period of years. They're a known quantity, and provided they are safe and the homologations uh, up, can be updated, they keep running them. Absolutely. Acura, uh, Acura, uh, Orica can knock them out for three-fifths of nothing at all. They've built over 220 of them now. Yes, it's amazing that they've, uh, not all of them still exist. They, they have made their money, and considering where that design came from, of course, that was uh, they've, they've definitely had their, their money uh, out of that. Anthony Florio, hello, Tony, how are you? I've seen enough Blomqvist and Brown. Is this the new generation, McNish and Capello? Well, they're together for the full season, Jeremy, and you can add in your Paginos and your Elio Castro Nevers, and those big names do a lot for these big races, but those are the two young lads who've got to do the full season for MSR. And uh, on the strength of what we've seen today, I think they're going to do very well, and they will take some beating. Blomqvist defending champion, of course. Yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's just riding the crest of a wave at the moment. He was magnificent last season. He was absolutely fantastic 
this whole uh, this whole ten days. You know, that qualifying lap that he put together one week ago, uh, the the team sort of almost kind of outthought themselves because mm. they, they went out there. I think that was the only team, number sixty team, the only team that went out there with. A, a plan to, to change tyres halfway through the session. There was a, a slight rule change for this year allowing you to do that. Generally speak, in the past, it's always been uh, you've got a set of tyres, go set a lap time, and then you start a race with them. Mm. Uh, that was changed for this time, and, and they were the only team that kind of, if you like, took advantage of it. Um, but it nearly bit them because there was a, caution, there was a, a, a uh, red, red flag, flag with not too long to go, and he only just had enough time to get out there and get that one lap in at the end and he nailed it uh, and got the pole position. Man, that was a heck of a run. It, I mean, the guy is just mega. Really I think impressive. he came on really leaps and bounds last year. He was paired with uh, Ollie Jarvis last oh. year, and those two were really, really well together. Yeah. There was a couple of little mistakes that he made. He was a little naive sometimes, and I think Ollie coached that out of him. I have a lot of respect for Ollie Jarvis. Yeah. He's a very good driver, yeah. and he's a good mentor. Also very good at developing cars as well, as we know from his Audi days. Helped develop um, the Audi R8 GT3 car and the the later models of the, the R18. I, I think he might be getting close to the finished article now, Blomqvist. I really do. Mm. I, uh, he, needs to, he needs to back up what we've seen today. His description to me on Wednesday night in front of the the crowds over at one Daytona of that lap and how sketchy turn one was because he knew he did not have tyre temperature and they were warning him about his tyre temperature, particularly at the front, um, was outstanding. It was absolutely outstanding. It was McNish-like. You've seen McNish sit down with an onboard lap and say, Blomqvist did it from memory. It was absolutely brilliant, just standing on stage. And with Colin Brown... Well, I could not be happier to see Colin, who's worked so hard, who's shown such loyalty to uh, his driving down through the years and to this series, to have that opportunity. I, I, I think that's a winning combination. And the rest, the rest of the standard teams for the two-hour, 40-minute race, I think they are playing catch-up now. I really do think, from what we've seen today, can't wait to see the, the first sprint races. Um, 100 minutes around Long Beach is going to be interesting. Uh, that is just about it from us here at the 61st running of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Uh, thank you to all the team who have worked exceptionally hard. Our mad month of January with four consecutive weekends of motor racing live continues next weekend on a very different time zone. We're going into the future. We'll be heading off to Bathurst in the Liquid Molly 12 hours. Creelsey and Garth Tander joining me in the booth uh, with Chad Nealon, Shea Adam and Mark Beretta in the pit lane. Thanks to all of our tech staff as well and to you for watching and listening. That was our post-race tech, Michelin post-race tech. See you in Bathurst for Midweek Motorsport next week. Have a great motorsport weekend, what's left of it. We'll see you from the future, down under. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.